Hey guys, I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And this is going to be unsettling. Deeply. but much needed hiatus we're ready to go again what'd you do with your time mm. nothing great <laughs> <laughs> well i think it went rafting i think it went tubing twice yeah i did see you on big tubes a lot yeah i just tubed until now <laughs> she's just got off the river but never had been lazy river what were you doing uh, you know, working and my kid started second grade, so that's hell. And also, uh, gymnastics and cheerleading started, so I have no life anymore. Got the athlete. It, she's not an athlete. We just like to let her do things she likes. She's that's not going to be our scholarship. That's okay. <laughs> that's quite all right. Find uh, something else. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. It's definitely not going to be four H. No offense, four Hers. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hi. There's a lot of good scholarships in 4-H. <laughs> For other 4-H things. Um, so, if we sound a little different, we are in the process of finding... Well, we actually did do our research. We bought really good mics, and I tested it with... <laughs> My husband, and it sounded a little weird for him, but I sounded good on the mic, so I just thought he was being, like, an idiot and couldn't sit still. But apparently that one mic doesn't work as well, so right now we're working off of one mic, but hopefully by the next time we record we will have two, and, uh, yeah. We're doing the best we can. We're doing the best we can with what we got, guys. Which isn't that good. No. But. but it's what you expect, so... <laughs> Just keeping it at the par. Yeah, we don't want to make the bar too high. Yeah. So I guess I'm going first this week. You are. You're you are the triumphant return. Yeah. And I like this story. It's um it's uh different. It's different. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a story of Michael Rockefeller. Don't know him. I know of the Rockefellers. He's one of them. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, I'm going to tell you what happened to him. Okay. So, I wanted to take you on a journey to one of the most isolated places in the world. And it's still really um, largely untouched by a lot of modern conveniences we have today. Really? Still, yes. And it's Papua New Guinea. Oh, and it's also one of the most diverse places in the world. And there's still different tribes being discovered to this day. Really? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. And that always has interested me. Like, yeah, like how, how, how have they gone this long and no one else has encountered them yet? It's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot of tribes in the country who have had zero contact with any other people. Wow. Yeah. And some of these tribes practiced cannibalism rituals oh that's not ideal i don't know i don't think they do really anymore apparently um but i mean maybe they do and they just <laughs> we don't know people yeah 
And the tradition is mostly deteriorated with time. Although there's at least one tribe left who still engages in the cannibalistic rituals that we know of anyway. And the very unlikely person who was especially fascinated with these tribes was Michael Rockefeller. He's from the richest family in the world mm-hmm. at the time. I don't. I mean, I don't know anymore if they are. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but back in the fifties and sixties, they definitely ruled the game, and before that too, I think. And he was really fascinated by New Guinea's tribal culture. So. At the time Michael explored those lands, the area was known as Netherlands, New Guinea. Okay. It kind of transferred ownership for a while, the parts of it. So that was kind of a long, confusing history I didn't include. So it wasn't, um, it's interesting, but not totally relevant. Okay. And so the Rockefeller family was fascinated by primitive art. And they actually helped to fund the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, Hmm. where they opened the first exhibit of primitive art when Michael Rockefeller was an 18-year-old Harvard student. Oh. So his family wanted him to pursue a career in banking or finances, as they had done for generations. And art was a side hobby for the family, kind of. Like, you know how rich people are. They just find these hobbies. Yeah, they're like, oh, I enjoy crocheting. Yeah, they're not not crocheting. Usually it's something obscure, right? They're like, I like tribal, I like primitive art, so I'm going to go collect it wherever. (laughs) Go to the source. Yeah, so they want to go to the source. Um, But Michael didn't want to make that his side thing. He wanted to make it his life, kind of despite what the family wanted him to do. What was so he was supposed to be in like financial and banking. Yeah, I think he went I think at Harvard he was there for like economics. Okay. So he definitely did, not tribal art. No. He I doubt they even had that major at the time, <laughs> if they do now. So Michael was put on the board of the museum and wanted to bring something special to the primitive art exhibition. So that's when he set out to New Guinea to study the people who were known as the Azmat. So these people lived in a certain region there. Okay. So he was fascinated by um, the things that they made over there, their primitive tools, art, all that. Hmm. And by 1961, when Michael set out on his first voyage, the Azmat had barely made any contact with other human beings. Just the Dutch missionaries, really, that were there are the people that they are, like, the only, especially, like, white people they had seen, too. Hmm. And... Dutch missionaries noted the tribal warfare in the area was out of control. So they're just killing each other, like, constantly, the, all of the tribes. Jeez. But there had never been a case of the Azmat being violent towards outsiders. Okay. And they did engage in cannibalism, Whoa. as I touched on earlier. So when an Azmat killed a member of another tribe, it was customary for them to eat the brains of the victim. Wow. And they thought it would give them the same power the foe had when they were alive. Oh. And they were in a constant state of war with each other. Men, women, children, all fair game. Wow. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And the victim's skull would always be taken as a token. So they were known as, like, headhunters for that reason. They legitimately had heads. Because they were hunting heads. And the Azmat believed in the power of the spiritual realm. They had a lot of rituals to please the spirits around them. Okay. They sometimes drank each other's urine. Oh. Some places the guys were having sex with each other. Oh. Um, I thought that was interesting. I was like, all right, we're kind of advanced, I guess, over there. 
And the Azmat occupied 10,000 miles of the jungle on the southern coast of what was a Dutch colony. Okay. The tribes were advanced in their language. They had like 10,000 tenses or something, like something crazy like that I read. They had the ability to craft art and tools, and that's what brought him there to the region. And he was really interested in the untouched and wild country when he got there. Okay. He was like, holy shit, i never seen anything like this before. And obviously he was a well-traveled man, even though he was young at the time. Oh, yeah, but he had the ability to. Yeah, so he'd seen a lot of shit. And this was, he was like, wow. It was still interesting to him. Yeah, he was like, this is where I'm going to, this is where I'm going to be for a little bit. So Michael and a group of researchers returned later to the same area with bartering tools like fishing lines, axes, tobacco, and the tribes were kind of growing accustomed to getting these things, Hmm. and they wanted more of them. Okay. And during the trip, he visited 13 tribes where he collected drums, bowls, paddles, spears, and more. So he had to return a month later after they got more supplies. And they had to go by a river. It was kind of like a swampy area. Like, the tides were really extreme. Okay. They were dramatic. So, one, like, like one moment the tides were high, and the next you were, like, in a swamp. Oh, okay. And it was kind of hard to tell what was going to... Come next. Yeah. And it was dangerous to traverse, and the swells and cross currents would change direction without warning. Oh. So, as Michael and his group sailed down the Betts River... Waves came and capsized their catamaran. Yes. So they had two teenage asthmats accompanying them as kind of guides, I guess. And they just needed someone because this area was just wild. Yeah. So the two teenagers were able to reach the shore. It was a nine-mile swim. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they were accustomed to the region, so they were able to do that without a problem, really. So Michael and his companion held on to the overturned hull of the boat and stayed that way overnight. So they're just hanging on to a boat, bobbing in this river overnight. And there's like saltwater crocodiles, there's sharks, but they weren't known to attack people generally. But you really don't want to risk it. You don't want to really be bobbing there. Yeah. And meanwhile, a search party was beginning. And the next morning, Michael decided to tie two jerry cans. Also, I don't know what a jerry can is. You don't know is. what a jerry can is? No. So it's um, it's like a tall, it's about, I mean, they come in all different sizes, but usually they're about this tall. Okay. They're this wide. All right. And they have a spout on the bottom. Okay. And you fill them with water. Okay. So they're like these little, these tall, thin, they can fit into like little spaces the military use them a lot. All right. To transport water that you can drink. Okay. And the only reason I know this is because Clark... <laughs> will buy any jerry can he sees. Okay. He loves a good jerry can. My that dad loves does... everything, but... I'm not a... surprised. Yeah, we have a collection of jerry cans. I figured you'd know what it was, so I didn't even look it up. Yep, I got you. Also, I just didn't look it up. But also, I just didn't want to do that. I, I, I just didn't want to waste the Google. I was like, I'm just going to say it and hope everybody knows. So he's using these jerry cans as a flotation device. Makes so sense. he put them on his belt. He set off to the shore. His last word. His last words were known. His last words known, spoken to his companion, were "I think I can make it." Ugh. So, meanwhile, Michael's father and sister traveled to the region, but they couldn't even get where he was. It was such wild country, so they were kind of in like a different area. So they were there in case anything came up, but they couldn't search for him too. It was like Katie. Yeah, yeah. We had incident today. <laughs> Oh, so my cousin texted me. She's like, are you home? My friend's on your road. 
she needs a tire filled and Rachel just got here. So we were pumping the tire, but Katie was coming to my house because she thought she was going to help. But well, she didn't have an air pump. So we didn't know how she was going to help. Yeah, it's just moral support, really. Or why she wanted to do it. But it was fine. She never even... She, never, she didn't make it she here. She didn't make it here. We turned her around. But, yeah. They were going somewhere else. But just in case she was going to come. So she was kind of, um, you know, like Michael's father and sister. <laughs> there, but not very helpful. Yes. But they were, you know, of course you'd want to be kind of closer. You yeah. wouldn't want to be in New York City. Yeah. yeah if that your makes sense. son and brother was missing. So after two weeks, the search had to be called off as there was no hope that Michael would be found alive after so long. Oh. And while it's the last time Michael Rockefeller was ever seen, his companion was rescued the next morning. And everyone had naturally made the assumption that he had drowned, although his body was never recovered. Oh. Which is also weird because the tides were going towards the shore. Oh. So if his body was going to be somewhere, it would probably be there. Yeah. And he was also a really strong swimmer. And like I said earlier, the sharks in the region weren't really known to attack people. Okay. And the tides were pushing towards the shore. The seas were calm on the day that Michael decided to leave the abandoned home. So was it possible that he didn't drown? And it's possible he made it to shore. But if he did, what fate could have been awaiting him? And could he have been the first white man killed by one of the tribes of Papua New Guinea? Ooh. And there's many theories surrounding what became of him, but the most interesting one spawns from a photograph taken in 1969, eight years after Michael went missing, but was only recently discovered in a warehouse collecting dust in like 2004. Oh my God. Yeah. And the photograph belonged to a journalist attempting to make a documentary about Michael back in the day. Like, in the 60s. And it showed a naked white man wearing glasses alongside asthmat people rowing a canoe. Really? Yeah. I'll show you the picture. Um, And nobody can say for sure who it is. And if it isn't Michael, then why is there an unaccounted for white man... With glasses. ...who looks like him on the boat... That's crazy. It was crazy. So, but my friend Adele also brought up the fact that if it is Michael, why isn't he more tanned after being naked in the jungle for like eight years? Um, my sister cannot tan to save her life. So there are some people that just, even if they encounter like the sun, they will not tan. I don't know the like, uh, but he was there for years, you know, like she's never been in the sun for years. I'm going to show you the photo. Okay. So you can zoom in. So this was him here. Like the one on the left was one where he was accounted for. Okay. And the one on the right is the random guy who's in the picture. Oh. That's weird. It's so weird. And it, this picture was just in a warehouse? Yeah. The, the guy was trying to make a documentary, right? So he just didn't. They think he didn't think he had enough for it. So he just had all these things in the warehouse. Like, he never made the documentary because he didn't think he had enough film and information, really. And this person is clearly, like, assimilated. Like, yeah. Like, he's not... He has, like, a loincloth on. Yeah, he's... And he's, like, working with them. He doesn't look like he's, like, strung up on a pole or anything. Yeah. So it's really bizarre. And the resemblance is pretty yeah. striking. Like, if you look at a 
like up close to. Yeah, like just the the shape of their like their body, their structure. You really can't see the level of tan he is in here either. No, to be you fair. really can't. Also, it's probably like a very bad quality picture. Yeah, it's from nineteen sixty eight or nine. So, and they probably had to adjust like to different levels of. Like, yeah, that whole picture is on the water. So okay, so I mean, who knows? And in nineteen sixty one. The year Michael disappeared, a Dutch priest named Hubertus von Page traveled to, I'm going to try my best. Here we go. Omadisep in Asmat Village, okay. which was at the southern end of his parish. So von Page had lived in the area for a while. He knew the language well. He knew the people and everything. And while he was in a missionary's house, four men from two different tribes walked in the house and told the priest a shocking tale. So the men were working in the area, or they knew men working in the area. It wasn't, like, through my research, I couldn't tell if these were the guys. I don't think they were, but I think they were telling them about people in their tribe who were working in the area. And by where Michael disappeared, bringing palm building materials to a government post. And on their long trip back home, they paused at the mouth of a river. They were taking a little smoke break. I don't know what they were smoking. I was interested in that, too. That is interesting. But like it said earlier, they brought them tobacco white people. So I'm assuming it was the tobacco. And that's when they thought they saw a crocodile in the water until it waved to them. (gasps) The men fought about what to do with the white man. Because it was a white guy floating in the water. It's all like a tail, like a secondhand tail, right? So one of the Azmats said to his companion, an Otsjanep, people of Otsjanep, you're always talking about headhunting Tuans, which meant a white person. Okay. Well, here's your chance. Another tribe leader did not agree that he should be killed. So white men were powerful in the eyes of many tribes people, and they usually were useful for something. And they were kind of seen as like, I don't know, like a wizard or something, maybe. I don't know. They're like, this person came out of nowhere and he brings us goodies. Yeah. So why are we going to kill him? Yeah. And the men told the priest that Michael was stabbed in the ribs by one of them and then later killed and burned. Oh. And the priest asked the men what kind of clothing the man was wearing and to describe him in detail. The men remarked how he was wearing a weird type of pants they had never seen with no pockets cut off like close to the groin, which the priest realized were underwear. Oh, yeah. Because they had never seen pants like that, right? Yeah. Why would like even the people, white people they've seen were in underwear? Yeah. Mon Page asked why they decided to kill the man, and they said four years earlier in the Ochtonet village, where Michael would have most likely landed, by the way, okay. several leaders of the tribe were killed by a Dutch patrol. So it's feasible that Michael was in the wrong place at the wrong time and was killed by the Ochtonet, and this would follow the tribe's theme of a head for a head, right? Yeah. And Michael's head would be that of a white man, the very same color of man that had murdered their own people years earlier. So, a man named Cornelius Van Kessel was another priest, and the very priest that Michael was going to be meeting with on this journey. Okay. And like Von Page, he had lived in the region for a long time. He was really competent in the language and all the customs of the tribespeople. He actually had been hearing the rumors that Michael had been killed also, and went to visit with Von Page to compare notes. And the two priests believed what they had heard, as the stories all matched up. Huh. From all around, like, everything they had heard had matched. Huh. And Dutch officials disputed the story, claiming the priests weren't reliable sources. I feel like a priest is a reliable source. I yeah, don't know. I feel like that's a real bold statement to me. Yeah. And another theory propped up that Michael was actually being kept by the asthma as an idol of sorts. Oh. 
since they did view white men as powerful figures. I think it's probably, I don't know, though, that picture. The picture is what really brings you to be like, nobody's ever been able to say who it was. Maybe if that was, like, released earlier that we would know, you know? Yeah. And you could go back and, like, find him. Yeah. And people that would have known him or anything like that. But now it's just, people are... No. There's no way he's still alive now. And there's no way people really remember that guy either, for the most part. Yeah. You know? So. That's crazy. I really don't know. And it's crazy because, like, he's a Rockefeller. Like, you know that they had all the, literally all the money in the world to find him. And they used it, definitely. And they couldn't. And they didn't even find a body. That's weird. Like, you would think they would at least find a body. I mean, unless the crocodiles eat it, too. But even still, then he would find, like, clothes, something. And he had his jerry cans. Like, the he jerry was cans. floating around. And apparently, like, some of the tribes, like, showed people the skull that was his. But how would you even know that was his skull? Yeah. We, don't, we didn't have DNA. And they're, like, I mean, they might be able to test today if they still have. But I don't even, I don't know. Yeah, because really, I mean, again, they came from money. So it's not like he would have, like noticeably different teeth you probably yeah. have very nice teeth that looked like yeah and that's really the only way to mm-hmm. aside from dna to look at a skull and be like oh okay so i don't know where i'm at with this still yeah i don't know either mm-hmm. i think he was in the picture i don't think he got killed because that like he also had said that the hap like his dad was like the happiest i've ever seen him was when he was out there like like that's when he was content. Like, he struggled a lot with... I guess it was probably depression. I don't know if they said that in the article, but, like, reading about it, it seemed like... Because he just wasn't really content with, like, the life he had. He didn't want to do what his family was the doing. was telling him to do. Yeah, so he was super stoked to be out there. So maybe... He know. just took it as an opportunity. It, yeah. Or he got killed. Mm. So it's either... The, I don't think he drowned, really. No. I th- I do think that he either got killed or he's just possibly still living there, imagine. Maybe. Imagine he's like the emperor or like the king. He'd be like 80 now, but... So if he was there, I'd, I think he'd be found by now. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's the tale of Michael Rockefeller. Whew. I, I haven't heard that one. Really? Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why I heard it at some point in my travels. That's a good one. And I relied really heavily on a Smithsonian Magazine article hmm. by Carl Hoffman. Like that had the best information because Carl Hoffman like went there too. Thanks, Cap. Yeah, and he interviewed a lot of people about it too. And it's a really interesting read. And I got some things from the Daily Mail in an article by Tom Leonard as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well. We'll post the picture of uh, what we'll assume is Michael Rockefeller assimilating. Yeah, and we can see what you guys think. Yeah, let us know. And let us know how our sound is, and hopefully the next not the next one, because we're going to record that now, but the one after that. We'll just, we'll keep getting better. <laughs> yeah. And even if we don't, you know. It's fine, too. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.